Hello, mensen. Skulk beside note here, and welcome to another episode of Your Mom with Skulk. So, this next guest is not only a very good comedian, but a very good friend of mine. And this is how I exploit my friends, mensen. I send them a message and I say, Hey, we haven't chatted in a while. Can I come to your house? Let's have a chat. Oh, also, I haven't seen your mom in, in quite a while. Can I, can I, can, can she also be there? And then I just rock up with the whole film crew, a sound guy. And then I get to see what's going on in their lives. I get a podcast episode out of it and I pay them fuck all. <laughs> no, I'm just joking, Mensa, um, but also not. So the next guest is Kate Pincher. Ladies and gentlemen, now a few years ago, I would have introduced her as one of the best up-and-coming comedians in South Africa at the moment, but unfortunately, I can't introduce her as that anymore, and not because she's not the best anymore, but ladies and gentlemen, because she is so far from up-and-coming now, you can see her in Tully's Baby Diaries, Wedding Diaries, Divorce Diaries, whichever one of them they are on at the moment. She is staring up stages all across South Africa, Mensa. She is just fantastic and someone you need to know if you're a fan of stand-up comedy. Kate Pincher. Hello, Mensa. Skolk Poseidon out here. Um, before I start this episode, just as per usual, thank you to our sponsors, Go Solo, which I'll talk about in a second, and House Wine. You'll notice, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have any House Wine here today because in a previous episode, I was drinking House Wine in the morning, and the brand said, um, Skolk, thank you very much. We appreciate it, but it looks bad for, for both. It looks bad for both of us. It looks like we're encouraging morning drinking, which they are definitely not, Mensa. I encourage it. Okay, so I just want to make a clear distinction between our wonderful sponsors who definitely don't encourage morning drinking and, and me. And then also just out of respect for our guests who don't really drink, I didn't want to be the Satan of temptation this morning and present you with wine. So we're going to stick to coffee this morning, ladies and gentlemen. But that doesn't mean that I don't love you, House. Thank you very much. So today we have comedian and a friend of mine. Kate Pinchak, hello. And then, Kate, your wonderful mom is here, Tani. <laughs> Tani who? Sue Cooper. Tani Sue. Sue Cooper. Why do you have a different surname? Um, Because I was raised by a strong, independent woman. <laughs> is that your maiden name? Yeah. It Pinchuk. is. Okay. It is. So, Cooper's, yeah, Pinchuk's my dad's name. And oh, Pinchuk is your dad, yes. You had what? It was because you had already had your practice? There. I had already qualified as a psychologist as Sue Cooper. Yeah. So, I just kept that name. Well, my wife is also keeping a surname after the marriage. I'm assuming you are yeah, as well. Yeah. Are you doing it just because some performers change it legally or yeah. a lot of them do the barrel? Oh, my gosh. What is, your, what is the other surname? Uh, Haynes. So Pinchuk Haynes could work. Pinchuk Haynes. Haynes. Yeah, Pinchuk Haynes. Quite cool. But Sounds famous. It does, right? But my concern Kate is Pinchuk always Haynes. like... <laughs> like my concern it. is if you double barrel and then you have children who double barrel, then it's like disastrous. No. No. There's someone's going to choose at some point. And then if they get married, then they have to double barrel the double barrel. Exactly. And then Kate Pinchuk like... Haynes for Sochi. <laughs> 
which doesn't have as good a ring to it as Pinchuk Hain. But did you, are you changing it legally to no. Hain, but you're keeping Pinchuk for the stage? No, I'm, ke- I'm keeping it Pinchuk. Even though I know I got my surname from a man, I still feel like, why would I change my name? Historically, because it's like, it's like this man owns me now. So I'm like, well, because Mr. and Mrs. Tyler Haynes, that's like, yeah. I'm not this man's property. So it feels like a bit gross to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Mika, my wife, is the only daughter. She is four, three half sisters, but she's the only daughter from her um, mom and dad's marriage. And I get it that because if she changes the surname, her dad has absolutely, the McKechnie surname completely dies. And for me, that's like quite sad, and I don't want to be responsible for that. But but that's not. That sounds like this noble reason, but that's not the reason Mika's not changing it. Her exact words were like, "Just Mika Poseidon doesn't sound nice." <laughs> <laughs> she's right. very aesthetic, and I was like, "I mean, I don't think it sounds cock." And she's like, "Let's just listen, Mika Poseidon," and then she'll. But I'm like, "But you're saying it cock, so yeah. it sounds." Mika Poseidon, Mika Poseidon, Mika McKechnie. I'm like, well, okay, if you're going to say it, eventually I was just like, Mika McKechnie. Well, people perfect. are going to call her Mika Poseidon anyway. That's yeah, what people happens. say Mrs. Poseidon. But then I went for a jog the other day with my friend and we were talking about it. And he's like, how do you feel about it? That she's not taking your surname. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was a bit sad about it. I guess just like, I, I, I do like tradition. I really like tradition. Mm-hmm. Like it was very sad for me. Actually, in a way, when I came to UCT, that our res didn't do anything to us. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted that because my dad had that. Because when, when he was mm. at, at, well, mm. when it was still Rao, UJ, you know, and you always hear these stories of like, yo, there was one night they woke us up in the middle of the night and yes. they tarred and feathered us and they beat us with tackies and... At one, on the one side, I would have been very scared of that kind of stuff. But on the other side, you know, it really builds a camaraderie in the res because you all go through this like tough Such couple a of months. Boys res thing to say. The boys reses at Rhodes all did stuff like yeah. that. Like they'd wake them up in the middle of the night, make them down like they would do bomb squad, which would make them down like a giant thing of crackling and then like run down the road yeah. until they all passed out. Like, it was insane. And we got woken up in the morning by guys in towels, like, just only wearing towels, singing, like, disgusting songs to us. And then we had to make them mm. coffee. And I got in trouble because I was like, here's the coffee. And someone was like, um, you need to make it for him. And I was like, I don't think I do because he just came and sang a disgusting song to me with a towel around his waist. He can make his own coffee. It was so gross. I know that's the thing with these things, is, and that's why the, the universities one by yeah. one had to cancel them. It's because there's like fun and games, <laughs> and then people always take it too far. And then there's like, show us your vagina. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then it's like it was so fun until why did you like go there? <laughs> and no, they're also why like, did you have to. The talk we have before is like. Girls, it's dangerous for you, so please protect yourself and be vigilant at all time. Okay, the boys are going to sing to you now. And they're like, tits, tits, tits. And we're like, wait, I'm getting mixed messages here. This is a little bit. I can see his boner through the towel. Please. (laughs) Don't feel protected. I know. That's that's the unfortunate thing. It's like humans. Well, I'm doing a show at the moment where I'm a dog. 
How did you <laughs> in come, the show? How did you come to this? So I just like looked at Otis one day and I was like, you know, because I mean, you would know as a comedian, like your whole mind gets absorbed by like material, material, material. Mm. I need material. And you look, keep looking at all aspects of your life. Like what can I turn into material? And then I looked at Otis one day and I was like, if he did stand up, <laughs> he's got so much material <laughs> that, that he can talk about that. I can never talk about because um, just like having his balls removed is like a thing he can do five minutes on. Like, I don't have balls and like, you know, my it wasn't even my choice. My dad just decided, okay, you're not going to have balls. And then yeah. went to the vet and then I woke up with no balls. And um, yeah, there's like so many things. And also it's a, it was, I thought it could be a nice way. So basically I don't want to give, the show away now but by the time this comes on the show will be done but i come on as myself first i'm mm. the, <laughs> the opening act for <laughs> for, otis. for otis and then i say okay i'm gonna bring on otis and then i go off stage and then i come back with ears and a nose <laughs> i like paint a little black nose and i come out of these two ears and then i'm otis and it's it's a nice way also of because when you um a human <laughs> and you in comedy if you tell the audience like this is so messed up in society like i don't really do that kind of comedy because mm. it's also like a bit preachy yeah because then you're also putting yourself in a position of like i've figured out that yeah. war is wrong and then everyone's <laughs> like yeah dude we know yeah well, you're like you're telling us war's wrong like what's we totally. know we know it's wrong and i just don't like that kind of comedy where the comedian is sort of like I'm this guru yes. and I'm telling you what's wrong with you guys. Yeah, we you know. have the platform. We are the voices of yeah. society. Or it's like, don't treat women this way. And everyone in the audience is like, yeah, yeah we know. We don't. Well done but, for figuring that out. But now Otis is just saying it just as an observation. Mm. And it's not really necessarily a criticism. He's just like, yeah, you guys do this. I find it quite weird. That's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, it's like like a reflection. It's also like a reflection on humanity mm. um, just from his observations. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, so speaking of the material, on the way, the con, the way, yeah, I was thinking about Kate's earlier stuff. Now, Kate, you, I would definitely say that when you started comedy in terms of, I don't want to make the distinction male comics, female comics. Right. But... You know, people do make the distinction, yes. obviously, like on a lineup, the audience make the distinction. Mm. So um, I guess in terms of a lot of women in comedy, then at the time in South Africa, you were definitely doing a more alternative style because right. we were used to on Netflix, Amy Schumer talking about sex on stage yes. and American female comics. But I mean, comedy was more, it was more developed there. But it wasn't really a thing that I can remember in South Africa. It was almost still like that old school thing of, you know, men can talk about sex on stage and it's funny, yes. but when a woman does it, it's just like dirty and crass. 100%. And I wanted to ask you, Sue, like those earlier gigs, how did you feel about about that? Was it like a bit cringe for you or was it hectic to you as a mother? It wasn't really because I suppose 
Kate growing up in a family with two psychologists as parents. Oh, your dad's also Yeah, that's why I have so many psychological problems. We'd been very open about everything and we'd always allowed, you know, our children to express themselves. And so I suppose, you know, I think we were more anxious about what she was going to say about us. Quite honestly, than what she was saying about sex. Mm. It was, you know, what have we done that is now going to be brought out into the open? And and we would just be very embarrassed as parents. And it was always so obvious that we were the parents. Yeah, because we couldn't come in disguise. No, you couldn't. You'd have to wear a wig. There was that element that I think was more what was anxiety provoking. So. I think I felt more anxious talking about sex in front of you than you felt about hearing it. I mean, I, I, I'm projecting here, but I don't have kids. But I would think if I had a daughter, yeah. like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset that she's having sex. But as a dad, I'd be like, yeah. I don't want to hear about yeah. having sex. You Why? don't know. <laughs> you don't know she's like showing a million strangers how to give a hand job. Yeah, on stage. Because that was that's still one of my favorite jokes of yours. The, the Game of Thrones handjob. Yeah. yeah, and like your arm getting tired yeah. during a hand job, and I think all the guys in the audience are sitting there like, because because there's always that moment. Um, sorry, this is like turned turned into like a. a, a Sexual well-being podcast. <laughs> I think I think every <laughs> say this now. I think every guy at some stage in your life has been on the receiving end of a hand job, and you know, there's like you there's like sympathy because it's like I know she's not that she's in, not into, into it, yeah. But and there's like part of you that's like just do the right thing and say listen just let's just <laughs> take stop. a break. But <laughs> the, the selfish part in you is like I'm just gonna ignore the, yeah, the cramps that I can see. It's <laughs> like dying. No, well that's why it felt so relatable because women and men would come out to me afterwards and be like, oh yeah, my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. And you gave me that. Idea. Do you? Re- I don't know if you remember that. I do remember. I one day after a gig, I said, yeah. "Why didn't you add this?" And then you did add it, but I don't remember what I said. You must add. You said, "Do," because I was just talking about it. You were like M- mime the hand job mm. for as long as possible until it stops being funny and then starts being funny again. Mm. And then that like made the joke amazing. Although when that joke died, it died hard. Yeah, There is nothing like total silence to you just fucking doing a hand job. For the people at home, she, she says she does it to the theme song of Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones yes. to get the rhythm. So it's like... Dun, 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 yeah. And I know it's a, it's like if you commit to something, oh. it works so beautifully when... But also I, at some stage, had a joke where I was a T-Rex. I go like into <laughs> oh a T-Rex. God. And then I'm like, literally... Go, yeah. little hands, and I commit hard. And like, you have to. <laughs> and then one day, just silence. And now oh you God, come out silent. of like the T-Rex mode and it's like, 
Yeah, so that's kind of how I imagine T Rex to. <laughs> <laughs> you guys love it. It's terrible. It's terrible. Those jokes where you commit really hard, and I don't do a lot of like physical stuff. No, but you when don't. I do, I like. Yeah, you have to commit fully, otherwise it's not going to work. Mm. But if you commit fully and it doesn't work, then it's just like that death feels worse than other deaths. I feel like mm. you. My dad brought. Um, Uncle Tony to see me do that joke at like the Cape Town comedy. I don't think your dad brought Uncle Tony <laughs> to, to come see the hand job joke. He just brought him I to mean, see knew, comedy. No, my dad had seen But he it. knew it was he in your He knew that's act. what I was going to do. And then my uncle was like, great stuff. Would have loved a heads up about <laughs> the whole five minutes being about hand jobs. That would have been cool. But uh, good, good to see you doing your thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then I did a whole, I mean, Trash Mouth is just a whole show of that. Yeah. Trash Mouth is just a whole show of all dirty bits, basically. And yeah, but it had much more of a story than the early years. Yeah. And so. How was Trash Mouth? I never saw it, but I've seen your dirty bits. Yeah. <laughs> Material. <laughs> <laughs> my bits are clean, Skull. <laughs> yeah, that's on. I've seen your dirty bits. Um, Trash Mouth was a wonderful show. Really? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Not something you would expect to hear from the mother. Well, but that's, that's we great. thought it was an incredibly courageous show. And yeah. it made Kate vulnerable, but also just revealed her courage and honesty mm. and authenticity. <clears throat> and the storytelling was was wonderful. And so we really appreciated that. And, you know, there's, not, there's nothing that really shocks us. So yeah, I suppose yeah. having two psychologists as parents mm. was helpful because very hard to shock a therapist where you've heard everything. Yeah. For us, I think... At what least was, she's joking. <laughs> well, people, well, well. well, I mean, she she can laugh about it. Yes, the people in your sessions are just like, oh yes, yes, the serious, the serious revealing. I think what was difficult in the early years, the very early years, was we would be anxious about whether people would find this funny or not. Mm. Because well, just out of like protection, yes, for her. because it felt like such an excruciating thing to do. We couldn't it imagine. Is being on stage and making yourself so vulnerable and maybe, you know, nobody's going to respond. And you watched way. me die a bun. And so that was Even much me. harder. <laughs> that was, oh, yeah, that's true. That was much harder in the early years than what you're going to say, you know. Yeah. It was much more, are people going to laugh? And I think you, I, I want to hear your opinion about it, about women in comedy, because like, I don't know. Now, if you mention it, people are like, oh, we're so past talking about women in comedy and it being different. And I'm like, no, we're not. Mm -mm. There's still mm -mm. tons of prejudice in people's minds. And when a woman goes on stage, there's still tons of people in the audience going like, oh, here we go. Yes. This is going to be tough. This the is going to be tough disparity. to sit through. And it is a bit more so in South Africa. And its I don't think it's because we are backward as people. It's just because comedy has not been around for long enough. And yeah. also, the, the the big name female comics, in terms of a, a wide audience, they're not exposed to Celestine Tully, mm. for example. They don't like mm. see, see mm. Celestine Tully. They're just not, she's not in their frame of reference. 
So if like for white Cape Town audiences, like if, if you ask them like what male comics do you know, the, the male comics, they'll be like, oh yeah, Cape, Cape Town comics, Nick Rabinovitz, Riyad Musa, Mark Lottering, and then you go in like female comics, they'll be like, Evita beside note. <laughs> <laughs> That's a man as well. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, there was a chick at Funny Festival that was quite funny, but like, yeah. you know, there's no. Mm. So, mm. Mm. and, and they- actually, I'm, I'm not going to mention names, but um, I did a comedy festival overseas, and the promoter. So there was one duo double act, and it was a husband and wife, and. The, the woman was the only woman on the lineup. And she asked him one night backstage, like, hey, so, you know, why don't you book more women? And he's like, I have. They just ne- they never get laughs. So I don't book women oh anymore. Oh, my God. And they're not, they're not funny. And what was wrong is he was saying they're not funny, which was not the case. They were funny. But on the other hand, the audience, I guess it was just like a reflection on the audiences because yeah. he had booked women in the past, but they weren't getting the reaction. And he was like, well, I want to put the best lineup together mm-hmm. and the women are not getting the laughs that I need to be in the show. So I don't know what the solution is. I guess just... <laughs> don't book women. Keep keep going. Yeah, well, One day, society will... <laughs> they do. And they come around to you. And if you come on with... In the beginning, like I used to come on so nervous that I think they're watching you like, and they're like, oh shit, she's, oh my God, she doesn't know what she's doing. This is going to be bad. Mm. But if you come on with confidence, then they're like, okay, fine. Yeah, no, we trust you. You, you did, you did sort of reach a point that I could see as well, where you just, it was almost like kicking down the door um, mm. to the that barrier between you and the audience that exists when you walk on because they're like, Please go well. Please go well. Yes, because it's so like if a woman dies on stage, it's even more like oh, you just you feel so bad. It's like all then word. all women aren't funny. Because yeah, and 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 also they, um, I guess stereotypically the the softer of the sexes. So it's like oh, you feel even more sorry for her because you know your idea of a woman she's gonna run off stage and cry and start a period. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on them. I started my period while I was on stage. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm not going to show you. <laughs> yeah. But are you a big fan of therapy? I because love of- therapy. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I've been in therapy. Sue, 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 yeah. Sue, Sue. I've been in therapy since I was like 13. I don't know. And well, I, I can think- see from that yeah, picture, oh that's God. like the, the face of a child who's in therapy oh yeah that was when i dyed my hair black <laughs> and the, i didn't know you had a oh yeah I had in a the little, middle I of had the hair i had oh. one hair i had so many piercings not but not you don't have the i don't see the holes anymore it you can kind of see this but it's pretty much healed over yeah. because my lip covers it what did you think of the piercing were you also like it's fine no we weren't mad about the piercing <laughs> okay good i didn't know that but we were very tolerant and mm. You know, we allowed them, but I remember there were times where we kind of said, "The pillow know, talk that's was that's enough," or you know. No, you were pretty good with like giving me freedom to do what I wanted to do, and so I think as a result, I didn't go like too crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I did some things as a teenager that I'm never going to tell you <laughs> because they would drive you insane. 
But you were pretty good at letting me like live my life mm. and like mm. get drunk in the garden. Yes, we you did. You were very tolerant. We did tolerate a lot. I, I suppose we really parented in a way that honored their individuality. Mm. And then we ended up with, you know, two very individual children. Who live with you. So who happened to but end up still. But you don't live here. I do live With your husband. Yeah. yeah, my husband and I are living with my parents. <laughs> what is the reason for that? <laughs> to see which marriage is stronger. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the show. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the end, who say to your parents, take that. No, because Ooh. he's going to the UK and I'm supposed to be going with him and we thought we would only be here for like two months. <laughs> yeah, it always happens <laughs> yeah, that way, doesn't it? It's like 10 months later. Before you know it, <laughs> it's kind your of milk nice. is not your milk anymore. <laughs> yes, so communal <laughs> living, roll. returning to communal living. Yeah, I didn't think at 30 I would move back in with my parents. but With your husband. With my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's kind of nice. And until recently with your brother as well. Yeah, he's just left to travel the world. Okay. So, So, um, okay, wait, before we get to the UK stuff, I don't want to jump around too much. I want to get back to the, oh, the, you you were in therapy from from 13. By the way, before you go into that, I just wanted to say my dad, I always tell the story because I think it's so hilarious. I don't know what irks him so much about a piercing, but men with piercings, he hates. <laughs> so, and but in the certain ones that are worse than others, the worst for him is the, the lip ring and the, no one does this anymore. No, this is like very, like, very... like 90s, early 2000s, but this yeah. one. And he would always tell me, like when I went to varsity, he's like, you can do anything. He was basically saying like, make someone pregnant. <laughs> Fine. He's like, but whatever, get a tattoo. Whatever you do, please just don't come home with a lip ring or an eye ring. Please. <laughs> oh, my God. So that, that was like, ultimate. for him, that was the worst possible thing that can happen to really? me in Cape Town. Getting an eye ring. <laughs> that's so funny. And I was like, Dad, I, look at me. Like, that's not a look that I'm going for. Trust me. Oh, my God. But it was Ooh. like, do any, like, make someone pregnant. Get, like, get a full sleep. Just don't. <laughs> That that is just my worst. He's That's like, what, if I can ask you one thing. Oh my god! You know, she said to me when I went to university, "You can come back pregnant or on drugs. Please just do not come back a born again Christian." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't think there was a danger of that ever wow. happening. <laughs> but thanks, I won't. When I was fourteen, my mom said to me, "Kate, it's very important." that you have sex before marriage. Do you understand? <laughs> you know, that's like the best advice you ever gave me. So I grew up in a Christian house. Well, I, I, st- I still am Christian, but it's interesting that I didn't know that in non-Christian households, there was the same narrative, but the opposite. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, all you, the things uh, that we were told, like I didn't we know it was, also op- it was also, but opposite. Yeah. I would think a non Christian mom would still be like, maybe just wait till marriage, just so you can. No, Jewish it. moms are quite open. Well, but think, are you? Are you? It was as just, a psychologist that yeah, that was coming true. from. Mm. Otherwise, um, yeah, I, understanding I, I the nature of relationships and what makes relationships fail very often. Mm. Yeah, you've so seen it all. I guess came from that perspective. I think. 
Do you still teach now at the school? No, I don't. Are you full-time comedy? Technically, yes. My bank account says different. <laughs> but you live for free, so you don't That's need to work true. as hard. You know, yeah. you don't need to do every gig for 500 rand That's anymore. True. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm full-time comedy, acting, writing. Yes. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to put all my energy into that. Cause when I was teaching, I thought I could do both. <clears throat> you can't focus on anything what else. What did you teach? English and drama. At a high school? Yeah. Okay. How um, are high school kids these days? Well, I taught it like- Cause I think they a, all shit. No, I, I love them. Totally Teenagers shit. are so cool. I taught at a very progressive high school. So there's no uniforms. They call you by your first name. And so you have this like real relationship with them. It's this high school I went to for the last couple of years. What school is that? Cedar House. Cedar House. Wow, interesting. And okay. it's like very progressive and the kids are like, treat you treat the kids like human beings, like kind of real people and they treat you like a real person and so your connection's very good. And when you teach drama, you also get to see like parts of the kids that you don't see in other subjects, I think, because there's like mm. a lot of emotional stuff going on. Mm. But I was just like blown away by how politically engaged teenagers are and how like hopeful they are and they want to like change the world look i didn't teach at like a private all girls school i think i would have like a very different experience well my dad was a teacher his whole life but just this stories that he was telling me from the last few years he was just like it's it's so bad the phone stuff is really the bad phone though. stuff is bad and also parents Oh, yeah. Used to be on the side of the teachers. Oh, yeah. And like if the teacher phoned you and said your child did this, there would be no reason to not believe them. Yes. Be like, why would... Now it's like, you're jealous of my child. My perfect child. It's like, yo, my right? dad's like, yo, I'm 60, but I'm jealous of like your 15-year-old. Oh, my God, yeah. I, I've got this vendetta against him, so I'm making up shit that he's doing wrong because... I'm yeah. unhappy. <laughs> like, why? No, it is. That what? part is hectic. They like have a big phone problem. They had to, I had to have a, I, I was meant to get a phone bowl for them to put their phones in. But then some of them are like, I work on my phone. Once I confiscated a phone from a child, a teenager, and then I looked back at her like 10 minutes later and she was on another phone. And I was like, <laughs> she had a burner. <laughs> what? And then I took that away from her. 10 minutes later, she was on a third phone. Was all three her phones or was no, she just taking she was, a phone from someone, someone else? No, she took someone else's phone. And I was like, this is a problem. You understand something is wrong with you. If you can't spend 10 minutes away from a phone, so your brain is, is something wrong has gone on here. It was crazy. That's really bad. My, my dad was also, then this is also why I cling to the traditional side of things where, because I think it's good that a teacher has power. Like yeah. you need to understand... And that's also why I wanted raises at the time to make us, you know, put us down and whatever. Because <laughs> you're I, a sub. Yeah, I like in life that there's a hierarchy with things. Right. Because there's something very fulfilling and and gratifying about then working your way up yeah. to the point where you now telling a first year like look down when you talk to me and stuff it's like that. It's containing to be in a hierarchy. Yeah, but I like it. I but like it because when, when I was grade eight, it's like, oh, I can't wait to be matric one day because they get to sit in the back of the bus and then like oh I get gosh. to pick on grade eight. And then I got to matric and it was awesome. I loved it. 
I hated that stuff. I felt like the no. power dynamics there were terrible. No, I know right. from a psychology point of view, it's probably not good. Blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> well, you but must like, like comedy. Comedy's got quite a strict hierarchy. Not anymore. Not anymore. Do you think so? Yes. In the clubs, when I started, massive, massive respect for the comedians who are on the lineup who were booked. Yeah. And you were an open spot and you were nothing. You weren't even, you're not, you're not even on the poster. Yes. And, you know, when I started, there was no really jumping on a lineup. Oh, really? There wasn't just people p- pitching up being like, yeah. oh, can I jump on? Now, there's a lineup and then like there's 20 comics who end up going on. Because <laughs> yeah. everyone just arrives like, hey, can I jump on? Can I jump on? That's like the yeah. it thing now. Can I jump on? And then it's like someone who's started like a year ago. It's like, no, you can't jump on. Yeah. And and that, you didn't question it because I was so hungry for stage time. Yeah. So I'd be like, straight after the gig, can I perform next week? And it's like, no, I don't want the same lineup yes. two weeks in a row. So you can come again in three weeks. And then you just find other gigs. Yeah. And eventually you just have to figure out how to rotate. Yeah. Okay, this week I can do these two. Then I can't do these two for like two weeks. Then I have to do these two and these two. And it also made you prepare well. Right. That's a problem now. Because the thing is, you didn't go fuck around. Now, comics coming on stage. I understand I'm never going to be like, what the hell? If Riyad Musa is going on stage with notes and testing material. Because even his shittest joke is still going to be funny. Yeah. Now you get guys who are inexperienced. Yeah. Coming on, being like, hey guys, I'm going to mess around. It's just talking cuck. Yeah. Then I'm like, dude, you are disrespecting the craft mm. and the audience by just coming and thinking you can just speak. None of this, they even like prepared. They didn't even try and find where's the punchline in this. It's so disrespectful. Just go t- tell a story. And it's also going to do you no favors. It's not going to make you better. So... Then, like, I remember your master comedy club in OBS, yeah. when they were still in OBS before they moved to the waterfront, was once a, ge- once a week on a Thursday. That in Cape Town comedy was like the holy grail for an open spot. And like, I practiced my set in the mirror because it's like I needed to kill mm. at your master comedy club. I needed Kurt Gunrat to see me bring the house down. Yeah. It was very important. And, you, and then it was always a great show because even the headliner who's getting paid He's even, even though he's on another level, he's even going like, okay, I need to step it up tonight because yeah. I'm doing your most comedy club. You know, no messing around. Now it's so like... Very casual. Yeah, and like no one's scared of dying anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be the worst when I started. Like no one... Also, people weren't really dying then because people made sure your right. set was shit hot. That you didn't die. And then also when we went to Joburg, it's like now you're a Cape Town comic. Now it's so in- integrated. There's almost like, you know, you still sort of have Cape Town comics or whatever, but people going up and down yeah. all the time. Then if you went up and you had a gig, it was very much like the MC was like all the way from Cape Town, guys. Yeah. We got this Cape Town comic on the lineup and you need to make sure that you kill because the Joburg comics, if you didn't do well, would be like, yeah, oh, these Cape Town comics. And there was this yes. rivalry. Yeah, like I said, now there's no hierarchy. Now, if you run a gig, you're telling an open spot, completely unknown guy, like, okay, cool, you get five minutes, this dude will do, do 10. 
Yeah, which is crazy. Do you know who is preparing for gigs is women. Um, mm. People who are not men are, um, I'm watching go to gigs with such a prepared set with like real jokes written out. Yes. They've like practiced it. They've come there because the pressure is to do so much better than the men. You have to be so much better to get half of what to the get men the get. Bookings. Yes. Mm. So they come like so prepared. And I'm like, and then the dudes are like, oh, the women are getting everything because it's, you know. It's like, no, oh, they're funnier funny. now. Yeah, they are you. funnier than you. They work harder than you. So that's what's happening. Because you couldn't just, even like an established comic wasn't even able just to walk into Purple Turtle and be like, I want to do 10. It's like, well, yeah, you're not booked. I, don't. I used to get bumped a lot. Mm. Like when I was an open micer. But... But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No. Because then you get to a level where now someone else is getting bumped because you walked in. But people have such a weird thing about that now. They're like, the but animosity the reason, about that is really hectic. The reason, hello, hear me out, is because there's no hierarchy anymore. Yeah. There's no understanding of like, I'm beginning in this. There's certain privileges that I have to earn. Yes. But that is existing now across the board in society in schools back to the teachers yeah there's no like what what's the consequence of fluking a teacher what, what? do you think it's not really well i think it's true that there's a loss of respect really yeah so if we you know we don't have to think of it as a hierarchy but the way of relating because maybe there's more freedom in relating, there's been a loss of respect. Well, I, I'm and using so that, the word hierarchy, which has a negative connotation, but I'm just using it as like there's levels, you yeah. know. And now in the workplace, now I speak to friends now that are now, I mean, I'm now 31. So now my peers of my age are now getting to a point where they are reaching more senior positions right. nah, for the maybe for the first time. And now they have people working under them. And they're like, you have to tiptoe so much around um, telling someone you didn't do your job, which I don't understand. Oh, yeah, that's It's weird. like, when did we get to this point where you can't say to someone like, this was not good. I'm not saying you shit. Yeah. But like what you did, yeah, this is not good. Well, you it's don't not... get better if no one tells you that. Yeah, but now you have to be like, what I liked about what you did. <laughs> <laughs> is that you did something yeah that you just showed up it's but, great that you showed up for work it's so good that you're here and the thing is <laughs> in comedy the audience don't play those games with us no if you don't do your job they tell you immediately exactly like you not this is not what we this is not up to scratch yeah. sorry they're so not very, very forgiving. Eh? They're not very forgiving. Exactly. But that teaches it's you good. to, it's tough, you know, and, and it makes you show up every time. Yeah. And the, the comics who don't do well are the comics that are not, are not scared anymore of that rejection. They, they go yeah. on, the audience like, you shit. And they're like, yeah, screw you as well. Yeah, so, I've seen you know, so many comics tell the audience to go fuck themselves. And I'm like, oh my God, these are the people you're trying to impress. You're working for them. Your job is to entertain them. I know. You can't. 
Look, I mean, we've all got crossed with our audience before, but that's yes, of far. course. And sometimes the audience is cuck. Yeah, but even a cuck audience will laugh a little bit at something that's funny. Yes, they still deserve your you at your best. But I, I, I get very like worked up about these about these things because. Yeah, it's sad for me because especially like the stories that my dad was um, telling me, it's just like, you know, like how kids speak to him. I'm like, just like, yo, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's on. No, I will never raise my, my child to to be like, yo, you tell that teacher <laughs> that he must come speak yes. to me and I'll fucking tell him again. Oh my God. Yeah, it's so bad. But, no, okay. Yeah, I guess that's changing times because there's, there's so much positive now about like the changing world and the yes. direction we're going in but there's also so much negative yeah there's like a lot of entitlement I think mm, because kids get told that you are someone which you are if you will be someone eventually yes. but like I feel it's also at this level you're not someone yet right you're still learning to be someone but yes. now you're acting as if you are someone already. It's like, no, you still have a way to go. You you earn to be someone. Yeah. And like, you know? I don't think humanity... You're not just born someone. You need to become someone. Mm. Humanity is not valued as much. Well, I think it's also about being considerate of people's feelings. And so what you're also describing at the schools is mm. just a lack of awareness of other people's feelings and having some sort of compassion I disagree. in communication. I think, I think there's too much considering of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like such a whim now on this you podcast. Do. But I'm being serious. I think that like sometimes just be like, listen, this is not on. I d- I know you're feeling something, but like, I don't care. You just, you can't, your feelings cannot make you treat other people like cuck. Yes, yes. No, I agree with you that. You can't because you are feeling something be like, oh, I'm going to, uh, even on a small level. So that means that a kid in pre-primary school, six-year-old can punch his friend because it's like, I'm going through some kind of feelings. No. It's like, yeah. well, what about that kid? You can't just, I know you're understanding feelings, no. but there's still a world order that you need to live yes. by. That your feelings don't override that. And like a drama school, right? Which is also very like feelings, feelings, feelings. Our, fr- our friend died when we were 21, right? We were mm. second or third year. And obviously UCT drama school is close-knit. There's only mm. like 30 of us. By the end of first year, 10 people fall out. So then there's only 20 of us. Very close. And one of our classmates died. And then one of our other classmates was really acting out, being like so rude to everyone, exploding in class. And then every time it would just be like our friend's death would just override everything. Mm. Well, you know, my friend just died, so fuck you. Mm. And it's like, you kind of let it slide for the first week, but then eventually it's like, you can't just be an asshole yeah. because your friend died. My friend also died and I'm still being, dis- I'm still being respectful yes. to other mm. people. You know, so this this thing is like in society now, it's like you going through something, so you can just be a complete asshole. And every time someone yeah. tunes you about it and calls you out, it's like, well, actually, yeah, I'm going through this. So you know, it's like, well, we're all going through stuff. Deal with it. 
Yeah. You know? Um, I agree. There still has to be accountability and, yeah. you know, certain standards of behaving. Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. That's load shedding. What a great opportunity to speak about our wonderful sponsors, Go Solar. Go Solar, you know what I like about them? It's like we're talking now about accountability. They take full accountability for the fact that Eskom's not doing their job so they can put sun panels on your roof at no cost to you. You just pay. You don't pay that big, like hundreds of thousands for them to come put it on. You just pay a monthly hiring subscription fee to have free solar. So you, you pay, but it's free. Does that make sense? They can put it on for free and then you only pay a little bit monthly so that you can have all the benefits of being off the grid. Thank you, Go Solar, for not conforming to all this because basically a company of like Go Solar would not exist if they go, yeah, but how would Eskom feel <laughs> if we just went and put sun panels on everyone's roof? That wouldn't make them feel very nice because it would make them feel even more if they see sun panels everywhere, solar panels everywhere, then they would feel like, oh, okay, we're not doing our job because you know everyone's getting solar. No, they're like, screw Eskom, screw their feelings. We're going to put solar fucking everywhere. So go solar. They are awesome. Wow, beautiful. That's what a stunning sponsor you have. I didn't know you could get that. Maybe Nor did I. So thank you for Maybe sharing you that. that so you basically pay like like how you pay for DSTV okay. every month. And you don't they just put the panels on your roof for you. They 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 install it. So and then you just pay to use it basically. So it's like renting yeah. solar panels. Yeah. But the reason a lot of people don't get solar is because it's expensive. If you, yeah, you don't have like 300 grand yeah, to, to just set now it up. put down because mm. that's what it costs to, to buy solar and get everything. So yeah, thank you, Coast Solar. Because the inverter battery is not working anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I see you staring at yeah, it. Yeah, I'm staring at it. I like really resent the inverse now because it was like a huge joy that came into my life. And now it just beeps incessantly as soon as the power goes off. And you were right. You fought with dad about getting a lithium ion battery and he said you didn't need one. And who's laughing now? No one because we have no power. But you were right. laughing in the dark. Yeah, you were right about the lithium battery. Mm. Um so, okay, talk to me about. Sorry for this uh, this massive rant that I went on about hierarchy. It's beautiful. Um, but I just don't often get the opportunity to talk about it, and I just I needed to to let that to out. To get it off. Also, your I'm really coming into my. Um, I love RuPaul's Drag Race, and there was that one <laughs> drag queen in the previous um, season that's like, I'm entering my bitch era. I'm entering, <laughs> I'm entering my sassy era. And then at the end, she's like, I'm entering my angelic era. <laughs> and I'm like really coming into my um Your um era. era. Yeah, like I'm really, I'm yeah. embracing it so much. Like I'm becoming, I'm at a point now where like, okay, 31's not old, but to a kid, a small kid, oh, like, like I'm whim. I'm a whim. Yeah. And now it's at a point where like little kids call me whim. And I know women are devastated when they're in the early 30s and a little kid calls them tunny. Oh, they're yeah. like, I'm not a tunny. But I'm like, yeah, I'm a whim. You should respect me. And I'm really just leaning into it. And I'm like, the kids today, fucked up. And comedy has changed, you know. And I always used to laugh at the older comics. And For they're like, yeah, that, man, yeah. it's bloody industry. Going to shit. I know. Now I'm one of them. It's so funny. So talk to me about um, 
being married, how that's changed your comedy. Not by much from what I've um, gathered. Well, yeah. I mean that in a positive way. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I like, well, I have a whole new set of things to talk about. Mm. Marriage is like a whole giant well of material constantly because you're mm. like with this person all the time. But I, I always check if it's okay if I say stuff. Like if I'm going to tell everyone how Tyler gave me herpes, he needs to be okay with that. You know what I mean? Once again, considering feelings too much, I would just, it's your yeah, set. Oh, you do it and then it's apologize later. No, <laughs> I, I... I ask for, I will always take the risk. If I love the joke, I am so scared that if I check with the person... They'll say no. They'll be like, I don't feel comfortable with that. Then I'm like, but you haven't seen it on stage now. Well, it does. Well, see, Tyler's thing sometimes <laughs> is like, I don't love the concept, but if it's really good, then you can keep it. So then I have to work on a joke for a while and then show him. And then he's like, it's not working that well. Take it out. Or like, no, that's killing. You can keep it. Okay. So he's pretty supportive. I'm pretty keen. Yeah, he's a good uh, comedy husband. Because he's not that interested in comedy. I think mm. it's like not a great thing to have a partner who's obsessed with the idea that you do comedy. Because it's not that cool. It's not very glamorous. And It's not glamorous. It's cool though. Oh, I guess it is cool. It is cool. It's a cool thing. Yeah. But it's not as, it's not as glamorous as people think it is. Mm. And so it's cool to have someone who doesn't think it's glamorous. And yeah. it's like very realistic about what it is and supportive. And and like in the beginning, he would just watch and whatever. And now he like gives me extensive notes. Mika as well. She gives me notes. But I asked I ask for it. But it's it's because she, it's because that person in your life, um, they don't need to massage your ego. Yeah. Because they're already with you. They don't want to yeah. impress you. But, you know, they they already love you. So they're just like, and it's almost because they love you. That they're like, I'm not going to just say what you want to hear. I'm going to say yes. things to make you better. Yes. But that thing is sometimes to say like that joke's not it's not on the standard of your other yeah. jokes. Which is hard to hear. But mm. I'm like, this person does know me the best. So. I know and the I mistake we right. often make, and I, I do it because I'm so like, I seek the approval of the audience so much that it's not just always on stage that I'm seeking it, but afterwards if people come to take a picture and they don't say great show <laughs> sometimes this would be like can I take a picture yes but I want them to say great show can I take a picture right <laughs> and then they'll just take a picture and they'll be like thank you so much bye oh my God. and then you I'll know. be like so I still need to go back to therapy because it's like that thing like don't ask it is implied but then you have to but then you're like did you enjoy the show but it's never enough. That's the problem. Is you think it will be enough, but it's and never then, and then enough. Sometimes they go, yeah, no, it was, it was great. But I'm like, you needed to do a cartwheel when you said it. You needed to, to really come show to me. me how great it was. Yes. No, Last it's... night after the show, this guy came to me. It was so weird. He's like, "How do you feel it went?" <gasps> Stranger. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, after I thought it went great. I really enjoyed. The show, the response was great. So yeah, I feel it's been great. And I was like, I don't know what game he's trying to play, but I'm not yeah. going to feed into it. I'm not going to be, be like, um, I was just like, no, I felt it's been great. But because I, I did, I felt yeah. good when I came off stage. And I was like, so what did you think? And he goes, I thought it was okay. <laughs> I thought it was actually really good. I thought it was brilliant. What? It was art. 
I was like, wow, you really went through the whole… It started from like, okay. And then he thought a bit about more. That was really good. It was brilliant, actually. It was art. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. But so, uh, yeah, no, that's that's great. That it's… With comedy, the pool of people that you that's eligible for you becomes… Oh, yeah. 10% of what I think other jobs… Oh, yeah. I don't want to call it normal jobs, but that other jobs, they can almost just like be with anyone. Some people. Yes. Like a teacher. It's like, you know, who's going to be… But with comedy, it really takes a special kind of person to understand yeah. what we do. Firstly, oh. you can't be with someone that's like you're never home. Yes. Even Not, with someone who likes to be there alone time. Yeah. Like Tyler exactly. is so happy when he can watch a World War II documentary while I'm out at night. Mm. And that's good because you need to be okay with being Yeah, you, you can't have someone who's sitting at home like, where are you, where are you? Yeah. Because last night I ended the show and then what you don't people don't understand is that the, the adrenaline often… Yeah, keeps you up. Is, it keeps you up. And then I was done by 10. And then I said to the stage manager, who's also a friend of mine, Laura, like, just, I really feel like a beer. She's like, I'll come mm. with you. Shame because she could see I was like, please don't send me home now. I don't want to go sit at home. <laughs> I really just want to still like be out. Yeah. And then we just went to um, Hussar Grill in Rondebosch, which was basically they were packing up and we're like, can we please sit? And while they were cleaning, we sat and had a beer yeah. or two. And I only got home at 12. But now mm -hmm. if I had a person that's like, your show ended, you were done by Yeah, 10. that's a huge problem. Now 12. And where were you? I was it's like having a beer be. with Laura. With Laura? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. It's got to be a lot of trust. A yeah. Lot of trust. And, and the thing is like someone like me and you could go on tour together. Right. And now we two people of the opposite sex. Um, And you've got a husband. I've got a wife. Yeah. But we are spending late nights together. Yes. And we will do a show and we stay up late after the show. Also like maybe there's drinks flowing. Yeah. Um, but we like sitting and dissecting comedy and talking about like, yeah. you know, like that joke. Oh, if you just like change that word and we like so passionate about it. But our partners wouldn't be the ones we have, wouldn't be sitting at home being like, what are they doing? But if you can't be with someone who's like sitting at home thinking like we're just staring deep into each yeah. other's eyes backstage. You know, so you can't be with someone jealous. You need to be with someone who. Well, also, if you're a woman comic, most of your colleagues are men. Mm. So if you're gonna date a man, he has to be really secure that like you have quite close friendships with a lot of men, and you're and spending thing, all your time with men. And at comics bars. are specifically we tight. Yes. So your male comic friends, as a female comic, are gonna hug you and yes. embrace you and. It's not just like, it's not like a workplace environment, no. like in an office where it's like, hello, Kate. <laughs> yeah, look, exactly. You look lovely today. Yeah. You know, it's like, like, hi, and like kiss on the cheek, and yes. we haven't seen each other in so long, and how are you doing? And then if you kill, it's like, yeah. You yeah. Know? And it's like very, yeah, we have those relationships. It's like a real camaraderie. And mm. so like, you can't be threatened by that. Mm -mm. And also, yeah, you go on tour, you like sleep overnight with like some dudes somewhere. And your partner has to be really cool with that. Yeah. 
and yeah. I understand that it does take like there are I think only like 10% of people that would be okay with that and then also the last thing is that you speaking about your personal life yeah. on stage and you can't have a partner that like is going to veto every yes. like there's some things I understand and Mika's also told me before certain things where she's like I'm just going to ask for this one. Like, please yeah. don't. And then I'm like, yeah, it's not like an amazing joke anyway. But, um, oh, I've had a joke before about our sex life that she was just like, do it, but just my parents are coming tonight. Just don't do it tonight. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just not tonight. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but I mean, you can't have someone that's like, wants your life to be completely private because it's yes. like not because I'm, talking to the public all the time you also about my personal life and that someone, includes you yeah you also kind of someone who wants to be in the spotlight all the time yeah someone who's cool with not being that person that is ideal yeah is i think good and who's not like afraid of it but who's just like not desperate to like go to all the things not competing and, with you yeah exactly so and quite psychologically mature in a way because of what you're saying, that, you know, there's, there's material being exposed and you um, on a trajectory yeah. with your career in such a public way. Yeah. That if there's someone who's competing with that, it would be impossible. Yeah. Because you need their support as well. Support mm. It's a hard yeah. job. Yeah. What's your favorite part about Kate's work as a comedian? Well, that's an interesting question. I think that she's really doing what she loves and I think is really good at. Mm. And that is amazing because we always wanted her to be able to fulfill her dreams. Mm. And so I think the fact that she's able to use so many elements of who she is in one situation, um, it gives us great joy and I think we're very proud of her. We enjoy seeing her being so funny. You know, we also find her very funny. <laughs> and so <laughs> to be able to have made a career of being funny just feels wonderful. I know, it's awesome. It's actually so, so crazy to think yeah, in a way. You know, it's, what do you do? I'm, I'm funny. I'm just really oh, funny. I'm funny and people pay me to be yeah. funny. Yeah, and you know, I, I think especially in the early years, we would go and we'd hear the same jokes, yeah. you know, again and again, and we would kill ourselves with laughing, <laughs> laughter, and we would just, you know, really enjoy seeing the development. So we've really loved seeing the development over the years. Yeah, because I was going to ask you because you've obviously seen the more gradual development. I was in Cape Town, got to know Kate. Then I left for Joburg, so then I would only come back with huge chunks missing where I'm not seeing the gradual development. And I remember just this one gig, I don't even remember where it was, like a club gig, and I felt like the last time I saw Kate, she was like a junior comic, you know, she was like one of the newbies on the lineup. And then suddenly it's like been away for a while and I came back and then Kate arrived and then all the new comics were like, oh, Kate, Pin Kate Pinchos. <laughs> and then I was like, that's so cool. It was like you just suddenly 
it wasn't overnight. It felt like overnight mm, to yeah. me, but you guys saw the more, oh, more she gradual thing. But very hard as yeah, well. Yes, and but it, <laughs> to me, it just seemed like overnight. Kate just went from like the newbie to like the she's now like the established comic on the lineup, and actually the younger comics when she went on stage, I could see everyone was like, "Yo, I want to see Kate set. You know what's she gonna what's she gonna talk about?" And now, I think so you were trying weird. some some new material, and they were like, "Oh, yeah." cool how she you know, like talking about marriage and you know it's such uh, a weird feeling because because you're new for so long and you think of yourself as like on the bottom for so long it does feel like suddenly it, the power dynamic has shifted yeah and i'm like some yeah when i go on stage sometimes i see new comics come in to watch me and i'm like what is happening so yeah. your, your sense of self doesn't always catch up with you know where yeah. your career is. It takes a while to like get okay with that. And it's, and what's your least favorite about? Well, not necessarily Kate doing comedy, so, but about comedy as I an mean, industry or what she does. I mean, this this is one of the least favorites is having to drive to these places in the middle of the night to perform <laughs> which for an anxious Jewish mother is extremely challenging yeah. so that's one of my least favorites. They can, I have a tracking app so Especially they in can, South Africa, yeah. I mean it wouldn't be the case if you were in, in the no UK way, but yeah. you're going there because you're taking the tube and it's relatively yeah. safe, I mean there's still an element of danger but in South yeah. Africa it's like because you're also in a car yeah. You know, you're so vulnerable. I have a tracking app so they can track me. So I That's good. I yeah. don't enjoy that. And I think it's a I think it's a very brave career choice. And so sometimes, you know, the the emotional intensity of what it demands, you know, I can see is a lot at times. It's drawing on, you know, writing skills, acting skills, being funny, performing. Um, it's not an easy career. And so sometimes the stress of that. Yeah. And I, I don't want to like hammer on it too much, but like, especially for women, it's, it's very challenging and yeah. you are having to, I feel, prove yourself over and over again mm. Mm. where, you know, I think men don't have to always. And I think that. the unfairness that in a way, I think it would be much easier as a male comedian getting certain kinds of work mm. um, in certain kinds of setting. I think one has to work so much harder as a woman. And so I feel that that's so unfair in a way. But what I will say for you, Kate, is that, you know, obviously, and and then obviously men will jump on it. It's like, yeah, but you just like complain all the time about life. <laughs> but you, but you, you never do. You, you, you never go like, oh, it's so tough as a woman in comedy. You just like, put your head down and you just keep going on stage night after night. Mm. And like, obviously you feel just, it's tough, but you, you just. Yeah. Hoy. Look, in some way I'm grateful because it's made me work so much harder and really have to hone my craft. Yeah. And so in some I, way. I also wanted to say earlier, but I didn't know how to phrase it. It's, it's not a good thing, but through negative things in your life you can always try and find yes. like so it's still a negative thing the unfairness yeah. of it but i think if you use that negative you've just used it well yeah you right know? so it will obviously will be easy to just sit and be like 
it's unfair the discrimination like generally people don't think women are as funny as men it's wrong with society yeah but if you use it to be like every time you go on stage screw you guys i'm gonna yeah. prove you wrong yeah it's like, very motivating yeah to be like i know what you're thinking when you see me and i'm gonna show you that you're wrong and i've i've seen you do that on stage i've literally seen you go on and i can see and feel the audience like being apprehensive yeah. and the, 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 those first two punchlines kind of like, uh, uh, and then the third one like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Oh, what is this involuntary response that yeah. just came out of me? And then by the end, like by the time you say, thank you very much, my name's Kate, like the, the and it's like really like you just watched like, like a battle going yeah. on. It was like them fighting you, you fighting them. And then like you, end up being victorious and it's also just such a win at the end not just for you but just for comedy and you were yeah. just like i saw what you were thinking and i took that yeah threw it out the window and yeah and times that we've gigged together you know people afterwards they remember that and they're like oh, and I've, I've had um Messages in my DMs like hey Skog, um i just forgot her name but what was the surname that oh, girl cool. that was performing on the gig because um, I just want to follow because I just want to see and can you see it in when you do solo shows do you surely you can see like an, an increase in ticket sales yeah as, the, as it progresses yeah because that's a good way always of measuring your success is definitely more people come to the shows yeah de especially after the later season of Tally came out mm. that really helped doing TV stuff really helps yeah because then more people are seeing you and then they want to come see you live and I've also just gotten, I've gotten someone to do my social media marketing, which has made a huge difference. Mm. And then it's so great to have, when you do a solo show, I feel like then everyone is really convinced. Then they're with you. If someone mm. has sat through an hour of you doing comedy and they loved it, then they're like with you for life, mm. which is such a nice feeling. Yeah. It's amazing. It's exactly. like, oh, getting to do an hour is just like a dream. Yeah. So nice. And what's so lucky is when you start getting people that come to the show and then once you've been doing it for like five years, ten years, whatever, and you start recognizing faces. Right. Because the same people are coming back and back and back. It's crazy. And people referencing jokes from, from you like, yeah, but that was two shows ago. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, yeah, we were there. And we came to the one after that and now we're here again. When's your next one? Next year, June at the back set. Cool, we'll be there as well. Oh my it's gosh. Like, it's crazy. What? I know. Because I've always hated the word fan. Like, yes. Like I've got yeah. fans. I've never, I never say in my life, like, thank you to my fans or my mm. fans. But then sometimes you meet someone and you're like, after that thing, it's like, that, that dude's like a proper fan. It's really weird. It's I so find cool. it really I, weird. I will never get used to someone being a fan mm. like really i mean just the, the concept of like i'm a fan of you well dave and i were That's fans wild. of you years ago <laughs> yes they we were. came to wow. many of your shows and loved that in yes. kate's very earliest years so you definitely were established fans you thank you <laughs> you are they love all the stuff you do Stop. and now you are a fan of kate we are fans of kate <laughs> thank you we are. Yeah, I had this weird experience. I mean, to sit as a mother, to sit through trash mouth and be like, that was 
Really I know, bad. and it's so faulty. I <laughs> that mean, was that show is faulty. There was, I did Trash Mouth in Joburg, and I got off stage, and there's nowhere to go at the bioscope. So I was standing outside because I get really shy, mm. and I know I must go outside and talk to people, but I get really shy about it. So I often hide. But I was in the front because there was like nowhere to go. And this these people came up to me, these like young people in their 20s, and they were like, oh my God, we can't believe it's you. It's so good. You walked past me earlier, and I was like, oh, she smells so good. And I was like, oh, I'm wearing knockoff Narcissa Rodriguez. And she was like, that is so cool. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Especially when you. Oh, it's okay. We'll stop. That will never happen with Go Solo. Just saying there's no beeping. <laughs> no beeping in your life. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so cool because like when you start in comedy, you feel like that about the the bigger names. Yes. And there's always that first moment where you perform on the same lineup as a comic that you're a fan of. Mm. And then there's also the next big moment where a good comic that you look up to says good set. Yes. Oh. Like I, I did a, I went to the Montreal Comedy Festival just to watch. And then I met this comic that I'd met before. And he said, I'm doing a show. Why don't you, well, I'll put you on the lineup. So I just impromptu did a five minute set. And then I went backstage and Wanda Sykes said to me, Nice set. And then I was like, what does I Oh my God. It was so cool. And you always remember those moments. Ooh. And then when you have like, when people start kind of freaking out about you, the way that you were freaking out yes. about other people, that feels very unreal. And I I always look at big celebrities. I'm like, who, who look so like unfazed by it. And I'm like, I don't, I'd like to think I won't. But I don't know if I'll ever get to a level where I'm like, huh, no, whatever. For me, it's always such a big yeah. thing, such a big deal that someone's kind of like. I know. I also like often think of you when that happens to me because I like remember how you go around to everyone after shows and engage with everyone, give them your time because they're the reason you get to do what you do. And yeah. So I try to like emulate that as well. Yeah. And like really engage with people who came to the show. And I guess because also like, a lot of comics just go after the show. And I understand, like, obviously, if you're on a level where you're doing an arena. Right. You're not going to go stand in the foyer. <laughs> yeah. Afterwards. For and thousands take of people. Photos of 8,000 people. But um, I think people just sometimes are caught. I like catching people off guard because they don't expect the performer to, especially if it's a venue that has tables, to come to the table Hey guys, thanks for coming. Yes. They're like, nice. why are you doing that? Do you, aren't you supposed to be like, yeah, I think someone? it really means a lot to people. And then, but that's once again the hierarchy <laughs> that you break that mold that they, that, because they like, no, there's the hierarchy is yes. you, the performer, we, the audience, we below you. Yeah. Because we paid to see you. But then you come and you're like, hi. And then they're like, this is not supposed to yes. happen. But of course, there you are also considering their feelings and they feel very good that you have that personal connection. Exactly. But so, also if they, someone was being a doist in the show, I wouldn't consider their yeah. feelings. So I would just <laughs> say, get out. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you so much. For your wonderful psychological insight okay. into the world of comedy, women in comedy and feelings. <laughs> It is something that I will hold near and dear for the rest of my life. Okay, thank you. 
Thanks, Scotty. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. I normally talk to the mom a bit more, but this is the thing with comics is once we start yeah. engaging, it's just like, yeah, we, yeah, because we go through the same stuff. Yes. So, and very few people, it's like almost only another stand-up comedian that can understand yeah. the things we go through. You know, like you can try and explain it to your husband. You can try and explain yes. it to your friends. But it's very try specific. and explain it to your mom. Yeah. It's just, so when comics are together, we just like, ah, someone who gets what we go through. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think it's an amazingly courageous, wonderful gift that you both have and share. Mm. Thank and you. Bringing some lightness into the world is so needed. So yeah. thank you for that. So the and filth, just bring also some filth. Into yeah, the world. you need that too. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you, Thanks, thank you, Go Solar. Thank you, House. We love you. Thank you for making this possible. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't enjoy that, well, then maybe you are also just a cock, and that is why you you didn't like hearing that rant of mine. Sorry, not sorry for it because it, it made you feel uncomfortable, because it, it cut too close to the bone, it was too close to the truth. I do believe the world would be a nicer place if we were all just kinder to each other, but also means that sometimes people just need to hear in a less nice way, you are, you are cock, you are cock at this. You, you know, not saying you can't be better, but the way you're doing it now is cock. Mensa, I really enjoyed speaking to my good friend Kate again. It was so nice seeing her and hearing her and just chatting about comedy and so nice meeting a mom for the first time. What a Lakatani. Now for more Lakatanis, tune in next week. Mensa, there's, there's two types of Lakatanis that you can see on the internet. The one is um, in, 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 in a less... Uh, 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 family-friendly way, okay, there are some Lakatanis on the internet, Mensa, that I've perused myself, and I'm sure some other people as well, and then there are the Lakatanis that you see on my podcast, which is obviously in, in, a, in, a, in a more wholesome, less disgusting way. Okay, so for more Lakatanis in a wholesome, less disgusting way, tune in next week again for another episode of Your Mom with Skulk. Skulk.